<laughs> Praise God. Good to see you this morning. So glad you're here. Yeah. Yeah. So glad Jesus is in the house. You know, he doesn't go just to every house. He only goes to those he's invited. And he's welcome here. Praise God. As you are. God, these are great days. We're, we're coming up on Easter here pretty soon. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a glorious time. Uh, there is no excuse for you to walk around life without a smile on your face. Because in your prayer closet, you're supposed to drop all the garbage. Okay? And then when you walk out of it, you're supposed to fly out of it. Amen. Get out of that grave, praise God. <laughs> we are so blessed. First of all, let me say this. The ladies had their day yesterday. Yep, 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 yep. Praise God for that. And uh, some of the uh, servants of God put on white shirts and performed for them. But <laughs> uh, Maurice and Jeremy and uh, Pastor Kelly, wherever he is this morning, probably back there with the kids for a minute. Uh, uh, really, pr we praise God. Uh, Brad, Cammy, uh, Carol, uh, Lakita, Vanessa, like, uh, Katrina? Okay, still working. Oh, praise God. I mean, I want y'all to take a little lesson on this, okay? Her pastor didn't do anything. Nothing. And I do nothing very well. It was all the body of Christ coming together, working together. Uh, Brad kind of was the hub of the wheel there, you know, uh, when Carol let him be. But uh, anyway, you all came out and put it together and did such a great job. And I'm just, oh, I couldn't be more happy just to know that people love Jesus. And when they do, they've got this glue on them that causes them to stick together and then walk in the interdependence that two plus two is seven or eight, not four. And that's not the new math. That's the Jesus math. Praise God. Well, uh, I know that you came for a special purpose and today, and you're going to be able to receive the blessings of that. You know, I, I don't say, I try not to say, and an old friend of mine, I try to say a very sweet, young, attractive, <laughs> but friend I've known for quite a few years. Uh, we've been blessed uh, to, to know her husband who she has trained up in the Lord. And, uh, and uh, then a lot of you get to, got to meet her yesterday. But from Henderson, Nevada, Empowered Life Church, just give it up for Antonetta Campers. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, first of all, thank you guys so much. Pastor Dan, thank you. Pastor Prophet Kelly. <laughs> We joke, we call him Prophet Kelly at our church, but Pastor Kelly. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's not anything like when you, someone allows you to come and get into their pulpit. 
and to speak over their people. So I take it with great honor. Thank you. My husband has been here, so you guys know all of that great story and all that good stuff. We, we passed her. We've been there since 2009. We have two kids. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I'm doing something, aren't I? Tim, okay, thank you. Trying to be cute again. Earrings. I could hear it. It's like, I'm surprised. See, my guys would have been going. <laughs> Curtis is real tall. He's an African guy. He would have been doing this. <laughs> He's so nice. I'm like, I hear that rattling. I'm like, which, you know, which one is it? So we're going to pray and we're going to get into the word of God. And hopefully I won't keep you too long. Um, but I pray that we get, we get some things done today in the spirit. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. Father, we're careful to give you everything that's due your name. You have been so good and so gracious and so kind to us. So, Father, we just thank you. Oh, we give you glory. Just take a minute. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. In a generation that is unthankful sometimes and unholy, we choose to be thankful. We choose to be grateful for all that you've done, that we are able to sit in these seats and we're able to proclaim your name openly. Father, we give you glory in this place. Father, we give you glory that we were able to come here on our own because we wanted to. We were able to drive cars, God. We thank you that we had food to eat, Father God. I thank you, Lord God, that the old folks would say we had shoes to put up on our feet. Father, we give you thanks. We forget sometimes. We didn't used to have those things and now that we do. So Father, we are grateful and we are thankful for all that you've done, for all that you are and who you are. We thank you that you are God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. We thank you, Father God, that there's nobody like you, Father God. There's nobody like you, Father. So I give you glory in this place. I give you honor in this place, Father. There is none like you, oh God, my King. So Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to have your way. We ask you to move, we ask you to reveal, we ask you to, to uncover, Father. We ask you to sift, we ask you to analyze us, Father. We're open and naked before you, Father. We ask you, Lord God, that we're not hearers only, but that we go out and we do this word, that we take this word outside the streets and we become the church of the living God. So Father, we thank you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Praise God. So we're going to be talking about today, an, I'm talking about an error of living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I do not believe it's a new season. I believe that we are in a new era. I believe that when the pandemic happened, we entered a new era of the church world. Like it or not, we're in a new era. It's not a bad thing. It's been a good thing. So I was careful about this title. I did not want to put being led by the Spirit because it's so commonly used and everyone has a, a thought of what being led by the Spirit is. And I, I find a lot of people feel that they're led by the Spirit, <laughs> but what I find most people do what they wanna do and they ask the Holy Spirit to bless it. Yeah, I'm not known for being um, rah, rah, cheer, cheer. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, it's not personal. I've accepted my assignment. I, I stopped trying to be the sweet little pastor wife who just come. That's just not me. It never was me. God made me who I am and I accept the call. I am, you know, I shoot straight. There's just no, you know, do you have to worry about what I'm thinking? Because I'm going to, I'm going to be, it's, you know, I'm pretty straight about it. I try to be kind, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Jimmy Evans says this, the, <laughs> 
the truth without love is mean, but the love without truth is meaningless. And so we want to have a balance in it, right? Okay. And the reason why I said that I see people saying that they're the Holy, I hear people saying the Holy Spirit is telling them a lot to do, a lot, do a lot of things. But the Holy Spirit never tells us to violate the word of God or principles. So you can't tell me that you get on Facebook and you're going to tell somebody off and post this and tweet that or retweet that. And because <laughs> you were led by the Spirit. But Philippians tells us what to do everything without complaining or arguing. Second Timothy tells us don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know that they produce quarrels. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. And be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. So where is the crux? We do everything out of a spirit of love. I am tired of the church has used the Bible as a weapon and a sword against their own. Instead of cutting up the enemy, we begin to cut and fight each other. And it caused division to come into the church. And I believe God is rising up and saying, no more, it's a new era. Why? Because if you're reading the word of God and it does not produce love, it produces religiosity, you become a Pharisee. I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Or what I feel is sometimes they were in line with what the spirit used to do. They're not in step with the spirit anymore. They're where God was. And the worst place to be is where God was. Because he's moved on and he's not there anymore, right? Where do we see this? We see when Jesus first sent out the, um, the disciples in Luke 10, he says what? He told them, don't take any money with you, no traveler's bag, no pair of sandals. This is all just a setup. I'm not even in my message yet. No sandals. <laughs> and don't stop to greet anywhere on the road. And so he gives them these things that they were supposed to do at first. But then when he's getting ready to be crucified in Luke 22, he says, when I sent you out to preach the good news, this is Luke 22, 35, and you did not have any money, a traveler's bag or a pair of sandals. Did you need anything? No, they replied. But now says the Lord, now he says, take your money and your traveler's bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy to be about to be fulfilled, and he was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. So in one instance, he told them, don't take anything. In the second instance, he tells them, so to be in step with the Spirit is to go wherever he's telling you to go for that season and that moment. And we're going to have to, as a church, learn to be sensitive to where God is going, not where we think it should go. So in essence, this message I'm praying is is prophetic in nature, is that we're crossing over into a new era. And there was the death of the old. And we're now living in a transit, right now I think we're in transition going to the new era. So we haven't changed eras, but seasons. So an era is a long, distinct period of history with a particular feature and characteristic. So I'm talking about becoming the victorious church in this new era becoming the victorious church in this new era. And what I'm going to do is walk us through the book of Joshua because they were in a, God was about to change their story. So I'm going to tag team until yesterday. God was getting ready to change Israel's story. They're about to finally possess everything that God has told them they were going to possess over 40 years ago, right? 39 in some days because they move over, they come over actually on the 40th time they have the new Passover. So the first thing that happens in Joshua chapter one is God tells him, to, tells him something. He tells him, do not fear and embrace the new place. 
That's what God's telling us, do not fear. I don't care what, how crazy it gets out there. We are not to fear. Fear connects you to the demonic. You do not want to fear, why? Because God operates in the level of faith. So if we get into fear, we're connected to, the, to dead things. We're connected to the demonic. When we connect to faith, we're connected to who God and who he is and what he wants to do. And if God wants to do this, it is his choice. We are to participate with what God wants to do, not tell him what to do. You understand what I'm saying? I'm tired of these God stickers. I'm put a God sticker on it. God stickers does not work. <laughs> that era of doing that is over. We need to stop bemoaning or complaining about what was and what is not here anymore. If they don't come back to church, they weren't meant to be in the church. The Bible says this, and this is gonna be really hard. They went out from among us because they were never with us. And I know that's a hard word. But stop complaining about who wasn't here, where they left, God bless them. If they get back on the boat, we pray for them. But the ship of God keeps moving on. And if they catch up, they're gonna have to run to get where we are. But we're moving on. Does, does that make sense? Okay, I'm not trying to, so, you know, stop being it. There's a new generation. There's people that are gonna be saved and set free. Look for who God wants to bring now. And stop looking about who was. Don't look back, they're gone, let them go. Let them go. There's a story that I read in a book and it's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He talks about there's a, there's a guy walking on this bridge and he, there's some guy with a rope and he says, hold the rope and he jumps off of the cliff and he's stuck there holding the guy on the rope. And the guy said, you gotta hold me, you gotta hold me. If you let me go, I'll die. You let me go, I'll die. And the guy's like, he's holding him but he's like, I need to go on to the destiny that God has for me. He says, he gives him one chance, he says, if you don't come up, I will help you pull yourself up. But if you don't, I'm gonna cut the rope and I'm gonna keep on going. And sometimes we feel tied to things and people that we need to cut. So we can keep on moving to the purpose that God has for us, right? So God commissions Joshua, Joshua. Moses is dead, a new way is coming. A new way is coming, they will no longer, what's new? Everything is new. They walk into the new land, no more man is coming on the ground. They're gonna have to work for what they eat. So now there's a participation with God. God before just did things before, but now we're gonna have to co-labor with God. There, you know, everything is starting to change. So the church as before is over. And I'm gonna be using this term, and it is, I'm gonna say church of tomorrow, and you can take it both ways, but I'm talking about the church of tomorrow globally, the kingdom of God, if that makes sense. So I'll be saying church of tomorrow. You can take it for the church of tomorrow, but I'm talking also about the church as a whole, right? Okay, so the big push in the last era were the gifts of the spirit. We looked at giftedness, charisma, People, we, we, we glorified in people's gifts, that they were, they, they were great orators, that they were able to draw crowds. And that was the gifts of God. Don't care, the gifts of God were about repentance, right? God gives us gifts and they're, you know, they're, he gives them to us. But in this new era, we must emphasize the fruit of the spirit and the gifts will flow out of it. Character has to come first. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patient, kindness, gentleness, what? There's no self-control, right? So we've got to emphasize the fruit of the Spirit first and then let the gifts flow out of the fruit. Joshua chapter three, 
A new era is marked by following the Holy Spirit. If you guys remember, so I'm going to read this so I get off ahead of myself. I could retell. Let me give it. So Joshua 3.3, 3, it says, giving instructions to the people, when you see the Levitical, Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, move out from your position and follow them since you've never traveled this way before. They will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark and make sure you don't come any, uh, any closer. When Moses, the first time they cross over the Red Sea, Moses strips out his hand and everything happens. This time, the priests are carrying what? The Ark of the Covenant, which is, represents what? The presence of the Lord. So when they, the presence of the Lord goes first this time, it's not about a man, it's about God's presence. And I believe that's the same thing that's significant for us. It's not about a man, it's about God's presence. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the spirit of God and his presence. So we need to stand back to see where the spirit is going and then move instead of moving and saying, okay, God. So that, that, that takes a little bit more of um, patience on our part to feel and sense what he's saying first and then move. When, he, when he, we do that, I feel like we will see more power, more miracles, and more manifestations that way. So what does the presence of God represent? The golden manna in the pot, you remember the Ark of the Covenant, it had these three things in it, right? So the golden pot manna had what? God's provision. It represented God's provision for us. I think that when we do that, God will provide. When we start waiting on the Spirit of God, we'll see his provision. Number two, we see Aaron's rod, which represents God's power and authority. If you remember back in leadership and even in the book of Acts, we saw great power and authority in leadership. I believe that that will come back again. When you see the glory of God, you also see the judgment of God go hand in hand. That's kind of scary because we got to live right because people died, right? Achan died and the fire died, right? So when God's power and authority go, when God's presence go forth, it also brings the glory, it also brings provision and it also brings power and authority with it. Then it brings God's promise, the, the table uh, of the covenant, which was the Ten Commandments. That's God's promise, his pact, and his pledge. God will always back up what he says. So God's spirit, represented by the ark, led the people into the Jordan. He would lead them to victory. He was demonstrating that his presence, which caused the waters to flee before Israel, was their hope of triumph. There is nothing in themselves that did it. The same thing that's going to happen for us. There's nothing in us that's going to do this. It's going to be by God's spirit, and he's going to be the one who's going to get the glory. Joshua chapter 5, the Holy Spirit will convict and cleanse. So we see this in Joshua 5. A new generation was circumcised, and they celebrated Passover. This is the first time that they've been circumcised since they left um, Egypt. Remember, Moses told them in Egypt, that's where Passover came over. They circumcised themselves. They put the blood on the doorpost and the blood went over. They're now going back to circumcision and Passover. So he raised up their sons in their places, Joshua 5, 7. And these were the ones that Joshua circumcised. They were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. They're talking about, the na- talking about in, um, in the wilderness. After the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were and camped until they were healed. Through Circumcision, the Passover of the Lord, was calling his people back to the basics of their relationship with him. God is calling us back to the basics of our relationship with him. Being on a sure foundation of who God is. 
We've got to get back to the foundational principles of the faith. When I talk to people and they don't know what the seven basic principles of, of <laughs> in, um, in, in the word of God, laying on hands, doctrines, you know, we're, he said those are elementary things. We need to move beyond that. But most people don't know the, the basics of sanctification, justification, righteousness. They can't explain them. We've got to get people back to the basics of their relationship with him. So both of these rights have been neglected in the wilderness. And I would say they've been neglected for grace, for misinterpretation of grace, let me say it that way. Because grace was an empowerment, not a license to, right? Okay, <laughs> circumcision was a sign of the covenant. It was also a picture of self-judgment and putting away filth of the flesh, vital and necessary for victory. We have to start self-evaluating. I remember Buddy Harrison, he always says, we need to check up from the neck up. We need to self-evaluate ourselves. We have to, and ask the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, sift me, analyze me. What David said, see if there's any wicked way within me. Why do we think that we are not wicked? We are, there's none not not righteous, we're all filthy rags. We have to ask God to cleanse us and to give us the right perspective and change our hearts and change our mindsets. Don't ever get so to the point where you think you can't miss it, because that's when you just missed it. You just got into deception. We're nobody's beyond that. So we have to call back to, remember, we're human and flesh and we have the propensity to fail. So since we do, we need to have a checkup. Holy Spirit, am I okay with you? He may say, you know what? That look that you gave was not okay. That God bless you was, was laced with a little malice. That hallelujah saints and you're looking at her dress and shoes and you're criticizing her. You understand what I'm saying? Let's be real, I, we keep it, I told you I keep it real, let's get real, right? We have these niceties that we do, we used to call it nice nasty, I don't know what they call it today. <laughs> Where we're fake and we don't, we're not truthful and we're hurtful and we're snide, it's not okay with the kingdom of God, it's not okay. Right? John 16 says this, and when he comes, he will convict the world, the world of sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. The world's sin is it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because rulers of this world have already been judged. It's these three important tasks of the Holy Spirit are convicting the world of its sin and calling it to repentance. We've gotta call people to repentance and stop calling problems that when they have sin, they need to repent. You can't cancel demons and you cannot cast out the flesh. So since you can't, you're gonna to have to do business with God, yeah. right? Yeah. Revealing the standard of God's righteousness to anyone who believes because Christ would, no, would be no longer physically on the earth, demonstrating Christ's judgment over Satan. I really believe that in this time, like I said, you're gonna see a resurgent of, we've been trying to convince people to get right. We can't convince people, they have to be convicted. And once they're convicted, then they're converted. There are a lot of people who like Jesus, but they don't love him. Not enough to give down, lay down their lives for him and say, no, I no longer live, Christ lives in me. Because that way, then guess what? I, don't, it doesn't, I, I go to church where he tells me to go. I live in the city he tells me to live in. Because what, my life is no longer my own. I don't live for myself anymore. So when I'm living for Christ, then guess what? Everything else gets thrown out the door. It's not about me anymore. Because I would live in California on the beach. <laughs> I'm just saying, but my assignment is to Las Vegas. 
So that, guess what? Then my will has to what? Submit to his will and I have to do what he's telling me to do. Not what I want and how I feel. God didn't ask me. I know we live in a democracy and we think that this, we get to vote. But in the kingdom of God, God is a king and it's a kingdom and we do what the king tells us to do. And I know in, the, you know, in, in all of this churchism and we gotta have buy-in to the church. Bull. <laughs> Fooey. Buying into what? Jesus said, do it, do it, or die. I mean, and see, the problem is we don't think that that happens, but something does die in you spiritually. Your giftings die. The purpose of God dies. Something does die. Even though we don't see it, something is dying. Five, kingdom focus. I'm trying to stay on focus. I haven't even got to the end yet. A kingdom focus and a focus of holiness is coming. We see this in the commander of the army. Joshua 5.13 says this, and now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him drawn with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as the commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. Then Joshua fell down on his ground in reverence and asked him, asking him, what message does my Lord have for, thy, for my servant? I went King James, sorry. <laughs> then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your foot for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I've been watching this for a while and I believe by the Spirit of God, God is tired of it. <laughs> We've had division because people have taken sides. And I'm here to tell you, God is not on either one of your sides. <laughs> He's not on either side. I'm trying to stay away from that. <laughs> but you know it all. I don't care if it's Republican, Democrat, vax, unvax, mask, unmask, all it was was a distraction to keep us in division so the power of God could not be manifest. The Bible says, behold how good and pleasant it is, what? For us to dwell in unity, for God commands the blessing there. So if he can get us in disunity, what do you think has happened? We can't be blessed. And love would have been the answer. If we have exalted love over our opinion, we may have gotten something done, right? There's a scripture that says this, and this is where I think that happens. Right now he charged him, this is Mark 5, 15, he charged him saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisee and the leaven of Herod. The leaven of Pharisee is a religious spirit, the leaven of Herod is a political, a political spirit. He said, beware that you don't fall into either one of those traps. We can't, have, <laughs> we can't have a fake church with no power, because that's pretty much what we had. Um, let's just be real, I'm part of it. We, we all need to change. I believe God was starting to show I'm cleaning house. And these things you need to change, we, we are not seeing, we may have seen, I'm not saying we didn't see anything, we did, but not to the level that we could have. Let me put it that way. When people walk in and the presence of God is so, in the place that people begin to cry and repent and be healed and be set free and be delivered just from walking in the room. Why? Because the presence of God was in the place. I'm talking about that level of presence. Yeah, we had trickles, but we needed a flood. And our nation needed it. And our people are more steeped in demonic activity and strongholds and bondages. And they feel like the church was powerless. We were powerless because we were divided. 
And we had no power because we had no unity, right? I think we forget God loves the world, right? This is what Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to its hearers. And this part, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed on the day of redemption. Put away, and then he goes into talking about how we talk. Put away bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, which is loud speaking, getting angry, evil speaking. Put away from with all malice. That means you intend to hurt when you use malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I hear people say, I just can't forgive. <laughs> you can't, you won't. There's a big difference. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it is a choice. I can choose to forgive, why? Because I'm obedient to God. It's not about how I feel. God says forgive, I better forgive. Because I want to be in line with him. And I think we have all these little people, well, I'm not Jesus. I've heard somebody say, well, I'm not Jesus. He's supposed to be living on the inside of you, right? God does never ask us to do something that we don't have the power to do. So if he asks you to forgive, he knows that you have the power to do it. You just have to want to. And you can pray God change my want to. <laughs> Moving on. In this new era, we'll need to pray for insight and not just have eyesight. We see an example of this in Joshua 9, 14. Remember there's, um, there's a tribe that comes to Joshua and they, they fake them out. They put on old clothes. They put on, they get some old bread and they come to them in a disguise because they don't want them to, they don't want to move out of the land. So I'll pick this up in 14. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. They looked at the outside and they did not ask the Holy Spirit, what is going on so I can see, I can discern what's going on in the heart. I'm going to go off a tangent. I don't know why I'm going to do this. But when I met Jerry, you know, you just don't know about people. And I did do a background check. I'm like, we're 30-something years old. And let me tell you something. I worked for the bank. I did. I background checked. I looked at his accounts. I made sure his credit score was okay. <laughs> just saying. Today, y'all need to see, you're single. You need to ask some questions. Dating is data, and I'm going to need some data about you. I'm going to need to know some background. I'm going to need to know some, I need a blood test. Who you been with? What way have you gone? If you're on the down low, I'm just keeping it real. You need to ask some questions if you're out here dating. Men, if they have some makeup, they, they, they can make themselves look gorgeous. You need to see them in a swimming pool. I tell my son, go take her swimming. Because you need to know what you're going to be looking at every night. Because, you know, you don't want to wake up. Does she got all her teeth? I mean, you see these catfish in you. I mean, you, it's scary out there. If you're in a dating world, it's scary. So you got to ask some questions. I'm, is it all yours? Is the hair yours? Is it bought for? Is it paid for? You know, how many links you got in? Is your thing? You know what I mean? You need to ask some questions if you're out there in the dating world. So just to say, when I asked God to show me Jerry's heart, that was the one thing. Forget about all this stuff, because it can all look good, but God, show me his heart. Y'all need to ask God for insight to show you hearts, because he's the one who's the revealer of hearts, right? So I got off on all of that. Sorry. <laughs> How did I get off of there? Where was I? I don't even know how to bring it back. Okay. <laughs> 
So 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, is while, we look, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. To be able to see is sight. To be able to see spiritual things is insight. The first mode of vision is natural. The second mode is spiritual. The primary function of the first is intellect. The primary function of the second is faith. So we need to see new strategies for new realities. Jericho was a new strategy. Walking around a building praising the Lord and it falling down doesn't make sense. But, it, but God, God, was victor- God gave them victory. But that was a new strategy for their new reality. So we need the strategies of the Lord because when he tells us to do something, no matter how foolish it'll be, we'll be successful. So spiritual insight will help you see your situation from God's vantage point. Hearing what spiritual ears gives you wisdom or revelation that you need to process. So insight is more valuable than eyesight. Helen Keller said this. I don't know if you guys know who she is. She was born in the 1880s. She was, um, at the age of 19 months, she became deaf and blind. And so she overcame, she became a lecturer and all this good stuff, right? So she says this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight and no vision. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight and no vision. I'm looking sometimes at people that can see things and they have no vision. <laughs> and this is why we need, see the Holy Spirit's able to do this. This is what it says in Hebrews 4. Um, it's not, not going to be up there because, oh, there's no notes. There's no notes up there. Okay, I thought the scriptures were up there. Oh, they are. This is not going to be up there because I, I just added this from the Amplified. For the word of God that speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, the immortal spirit, the joints, the marrows, and the deepest parts of our nature. And that's the part. God, the Holy Spirit is able to get to the deepest part of our natures, how we think, why we think, and what's really going on on the inside of us, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of his heart. The Holy Spirit is able to get down in places where nobody can go and expose it. So that's why we need to depend upon the Holy Spirit, not to just see, but to see. To see here in the eyes of the Spirit. Not just see, but see with the eyes of the Spirit. And my last point is this, the new era, in the new era to be a victorious church, we need to learn to live bilocationally. We need to learn to live in two realms. Where do you see this? They were given lands, but yet they had to be possessed. See, the the battles that they won was the corporate battles. That's what they did all together. But then they go through is separating out the lands for each individual tribe, and each individual tribe had to possess the land that they were given. That means they had to drive out all the ites. Whatever your ite is, they had to drive it out. (laughs) Some of them didn't, and they, they paid for it later on, right? So just because they, God said the land is yours and you have victory over it, but they still had to possess it. And I think sometimes we get, we get that twisted. God says we have all these promises in God, but we got to go drive out the ites out of our land to possess it. God didn't say he would drive it out. He said you will drive it out. There's things that we have to do that we participate with God. God said it's yours, go get it. So in other words, there's things, I'm getting off my point. There's things over here in the unseen realm that you have to draw out and bring it into the seen realm. So it's already finished. When God said it was finished, it was done. Your victory was promised. Everything he did was a done, finished deal. Now you have to, by faith, transfer it out of the unseen realm to the seen realm. 
That's by using our faith, right? I'm gonna skip some stuff, so let me go here. Interestingly enough, um, women actually inherit the land as well. For the ladies that are out there, they, uh, under Moses, um, the tribe of Manasseh, he had daughters and they didn't want to be obliterated, whatever that word is. They, they didn't want, they want to have inheritance. They've got inheritance in the land. So women actually possessed the land as well. It wasn't just men. And there was five of them, by the way. Okay, just a little tidbit. Go read Joshua. You can find that later. I'm trying to, I see my time, I'm trying to get to another time. So, <laughs> I said, oh Jesus, this, ooh, that's a big clock back there. <laughs> I'm gonna skip down and go to some, I'm gonna skip down to Ephesians 2, then I'm gonna go back to Ephesians 1. I'm gonna read it backwards. This is what Ephesians 2 says, it says, for you, as for you, you were dead in transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. This is the part we're getting to. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You are seated with him in heavenly realms. So you have to learn to live bilocationally. So what do I mean by that? You have to learn that I'm on the earth, but I'm always looking for what the Spirit is doing in the unseen realm because I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I'm here, but I'm looking at things in the unseen realm. So we have to learn to live out of the position of I'm here and there. So let's look at some practical things that you can, that you can look at. Because you have to start taking authority over the negative things in your life. This is your land. I'm talking about you possessing your land. See, corporately, they had some victories that they won and they had to win. That's a corporate. But there's personal things that we have to do. We have to fight in both realms, right? So when you speak, we are bringing our words into the air. Where what? The powers of the air are. So when you feel anger, frustration, or irritation, or, or, or aggravated, or when tr some trauma has occurred, you have these feelings. God gave us feelings for a moment. Don't, don't get, you know, we, I know I grew up in the, um, the old, you know, in the old church where, you know, we were almost taught to suppress our feelings. We're not moved by what we feel, see, or hear. We're moved by the word of God, which is true. Emotions can't lead you, but emotions help you be in touch with you. So you can process your feelings with God and help him to heal you in those areas, right? So we don't, we, don't, we don't cover up emotions. We don't hide over them. We deal with them and ask God, why am I processing this way? What's triggering me in this, mo in this moment? And how can I identify it and deal with it so I can get it done, with, you know, get, do, do business with God in my life, right? So when you're, so let's use an example. You walk into the room, some, you know, you come home from work. And you get in and your kids, you're, you know, it's like your husband, everybody's getting on your nerves and you feel aggravated. And you're just like, why am I so irritated, aggravated? Or I got to get the dinner done. I got this. And you feel rushed. Take a moment to say, 
you know what? I take authority over the spirit of aggravation and frustration. I take authority over that because that could be a spirit, not just you. You got to sit there and sense. And then if it's something that needs to be taken authority over, take authority over it. Your kids come home from school or sometimes, you know, when I sense, I'll just hug my kids and I'm praying underneath my breath. Every foul, polluted spirit that's gotten on them in the name of Jesus, I take authority over it. They don't know, hi, baby, in Jesus' name, you know what I mean? They don't have to know it, but I'm taking authority over the spirit that I see in them. Then you start calling down from the heavenly places, God, I speak peace in this room. I ask that your grace fill this place. Lord, I thank you right now that you're bringing in who you are. Breathe into this space. Breathe into this place and start changing the atmosphere. That's why we take authority in every place that our foot treads. We should have authority. And why? Because when we go on the place, it has to change. When I step into the room, it all changes. Why? Because he's here. When you know who's in you, who lives on inside of you, you know who he is. You know the authority he carries. When you walk in, everything has to change. But we have to walk in that. We have to really see ourselves seated there with him and believe that he's with us doing that kind of stuff. Sometimes people are just, I would say this, you know, some people are just thermostats. Uh, Not thermostats, thermometers. They just tell the temperature. Well, this is going on. Thermostat, you control the temperature. Yeah. Expect to control the temperature in every room that you walk in. Yeah. Expect that kind of authority. When I walk in, I don't care if it's chaos. When I walk in, peace walks in. Why? Because I walked in the room. And I know that sounds very arrogant, but it's not arrogant. It's walking in the authority that Christ already paid for us, right? I think we have allowed things to happen because we did not know how to pray and take authority over and we just accepted it and felt like we were powerless instead of saying no. When I start to pray and, thank, and ask God, when I call those things that be not as though they were, I'm inviting God's presence in and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's liberty, there's victory, there's joy, there's peace, there's, you know what I mean, long suffering, there's kindness, where the spirit of the Lord is, everything has to change. We want to muster ourselves up and try to pray for the nation. You can't pray for your kids. We got to start at the level where we are. Pray for your job. When you walk in your job, I walked in the job. The authority of God walked in here. I don't care if my boss acts a fool and he looks at me crazy. I don't care. The spirit of God is going to be in here. We're going to have peace on this job. We're going to have joy in this job. Everybody's going to flow together. We're not going to have a spirit of division. I rebuke everything that's in here that's not like you, Father. You put me in this job, then you want me here, then I'm going to take authority here. We have to believe that. So I want to re-go back to one. And so how do we do this? This is what we have to start praying. And... Um, Never forget this. This is Billy Bram, and she was saying this is something she prays every single day. And so this comes out of Ephesians 1 7. I used to pray this, honestly. My, uh, we, we were taught back a long time ago. Was, we prayed this for people who weren't believers because you can't pray against someone's will, so you pray the uh, eyes of their understanding be enlightened. But now I'm getting a revelation. God opened the eyes of my understanding that I may see what? In the spiritual realms and looking at it in a different perspective. So this is what it says. I'm going to read Ephesians 1 17 through 23. It says, I keep asking 
the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that over you today, that God gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, his holy people, and his in his in his incredibly great power for us who believe that that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked. So every name that's named, anything you can think of that has a name, Jesus is over it. He's greater than it. And he said he gave that authority to you. He said, all power and authority I gave to you. He doesn't have it. Who has it? We do. So you're praying for Jesus to do something he gave you the power to do. I think that's why people, things are not happening. We keep on saying, oh God, yeah, pretty, come on, I need you to do this, God. And God's like, I need you to do that. I've already given you the power and authority to do it. I left you with it. That's why you can do the greater works because he left the power and authority with you. He's gonna enable you to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's what we do, right? Uh Uh-oh, I'm over time. So, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over the church, which which is his body and the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So let's stand. This is from a book called The Authority of the Believer by John McMillan. And he had a prayer in this book. It's an older book from my understanding, I don't know what year it was. I saw it in my notes. But it's called The Authority of the Believer by John McMillan. And he had this prayer in here, and I wanna pray this over you. And I pray that you receive it. Lord, I accept your gracious word. I believe you have bought for me. I hum, in humble faith, I now take my seat in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ at your right hand. Teach me, teach us, God, God, how to fulfill this sacred ministry, how to exercise the authority which you have entrusted to us. Train us each day that we may attain the full stature of a perfect man in Christ, so that in us the purpose of the ages may be fulfilled. Amen. So if we're walking in the spirit, our normal life is in the heavenlies. I would say this, we're walking in the spirit. Our normal life is in the heavenlies. We are seated with him. So I want to end with this. Pastor Dan, when I was praying, what I saw was, I saw that there was like people kind of scattered, scattered around. And I saw like a big, like a, like a wing coming, coming around and pulling people in. And then I heard the words. I'm gonna read it so I get it right. Safe haven. And I looked it up. And the biblical meaning means it's a primary God's dwelling place in a biblical tradition, a parallel realm where everything operates according to God's will. Heaven or haven is a place where love, community, worship, where God surrounds by the heavenly court and heavenly beings. 
And God's going to make this a safe haven where you're going to gather. I saw people, they, they're just on the fringes and they're out there lost. And God said he's going to be, begin to sweep them in. And it's going to be this loving arm that's just going to begin to sweep them in. So that's what I saw for that. And then Pastor Prophet Kelly. <laughs> I heard that you need to redig the old wells. I'm not quite sure where they, what, what they are, but the scripture says, Genesis 26, 18, duck. Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father. I don't know if they are older than the previous season that you guys were in. I'm not sure how old you need to go back and dig. But I felt that when you begin to dig and reopen those wells of, of, of blessing and opportunity of the Spirit of God, that it would bring new manifestation and flow into the house. I'm done. <laughs> Amen. Well, you got the seed sowed. Are you going to water it? <clears throat> Hi, everybody. How are you today? The seed has been sowed. Are you going to water it? Okay. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to take a couple of minutes here and a spotlight on missions. Uh, as, you, as you know, we're involved in missions in various countries, India, Pakistan, and uh, we're going to spotlight Kenya today, and uh, Brother Moses, uh, Bishop Moses, and I uh, just wanted to share something that he had uh, sent to me recently. He goes, thanks so much for your prayers and support. You have touched our hearts and prayers for our churches and ministry school. Just to let you know that, we send our greetings and love to you, Dad, and your family in Church of Tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's okay to clap. Amen. We rejoice. They're in a region in Kenya that's not close to any big city or anything. Uh, they had a nice, large sugar plant that was there for years, employed over 4,000 people that was closed down before, uh, before COVID. And so they have a lot of need there. And he not only has a, a church there, but he also oversees about uh, 25 other churches. So we're involved in Kenya, and that's part of what we do because God has put Bishop Moses on our heart, and we're glad to support and pray for him and their ministry. He's got, I think it's four sons, and they're, uh, the youngest is a middle-aged teenager, and so uh, a couple of them in college, and uh, that's, they're doing that by faith. <laughs> and it's so wonderful that God gives us an opportunity to be a part in what he is doing on the other side of the earth. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. It's your opportunity to uh, sow seed this morning to bring your tithes, gifts, and offerings. And not only do you have the opportunity to do the, your tithe to the church, you also have the opportunity to sow into the ministry of Miss, Ant well, actually, Ms. I should say. Everybody goes Miss these days, but Mrs. Antonetta Campers. And uh, this, uh, let's show her a real. Nice kiss on that. Also, uh, just to remind you about missions, you can give any Sunday on that online or uh, you can text it 
or we have envelopes in the back, and you can do any of the three for any, any type of gift offering you want it to be. The Bible says the liberal soul shall be made fat. And he's not talking about politics. He's talking about liberal soul shall be made fat, which has to do with the anointing. So you can be a partaker of the anointing through your tithes, gifts, and offerings. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and pray for that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to bring tithes, gifts, and offerings to the house of the Lord to do the various things that you've called us to do. It's with joy and it's with opportunity that we receive that. And we thank you, Lord, for taking this, these financial gifts, these financial tithes, these financial offerings, and multiplying them to the things that you have in mind as we are led of your spirit and as we do what you tell us to do, to the glory of God in the name of Jesus. Okay, if you haven't been watching our new podcast, you're missing something. We started podcasting a few, a couple of months ago, actually, but we didn't have a very wide availability as far as how you could listen to them or watch them. So our podcast is called, Let's Talk About It Tomorrow. Mr. Hines' brainchild here is getting a, a lot of word out. Anywhere that you get a podcast, just like uh, Spotify or uh, Apple, uh, I, can't, I don't know anything about Apple, uh, Apple Music, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but I'm a Galaxy guy. <laughs> it reminds me of my father. Apples remind me of ah, Genesis. <clears throat> Never mind. <laughs> iHeartRadio, anywhere else that you get your podcast. Now, podcast, you can watch it uh, in person on video and YouTube, but you can also download, download the audio portion. They're 15 to 20 minute segments. Uh, Pastor Ant Antonetta did a couple of with us yesterday, so we'll be releasing those in the weeks to come. Uh, the first two weeks, Brad told me that we had over 300 downloads on our podcast. And that, folks, that's good. That's, that's 300 times that somebody downloaded one of the, the brief messages that we have. And we deal with some pretty tough subjects on that. We don't go, hello, everybody. I'm so glad to see you today. We're just going to talk about Jesus. No, we don't do that way. We say, okay, this transgender issue, let's talk about that through the eyes of the Bible. Okay? And we love transgender people, but we also, what did you say a while ago that uh, Jimmy Evans said you started right off? And he says, to tell the truth without love is mean, but to tell the love, with love, without, love without truth is mean. I had it. Y'all messed me up. Truth without love is mean, and love without truth is meaningless. Is that right? You got that? Got that etched in your memory forever? Okay. And, and, but we want to connect with those people. We want to be able to minister to anybody. Sin is sin. And we don't discount anybody, because if we did, <laughs> there wouldn't be anybody in this room. And starting with the stage, it would be empty, I promise you. Okay. Praise God. So we are doing that, and I cannot say enough about it. Uh, Brad had the idea. I said, hey, let's do it. And people are listening to that, and it's people that, you know, won't come to church or whatever else. Although your 
available to listen to it because you have ears and friends of yours are available to listen to it because most of them have ears. Okay? Thank you for that one. Okay. <laughs> Worldviews on Wednesday nights, 6.45, we meet and we have some snacks and fellowship time at 7 o'clock. We go into the uh, teaching room and we sit there and we listen to different things and then we have talk back. And everybody there is uh, open to be able to say whatever's on your mind within certain limitations. And we talk about a current world event through the eyes of the Bible. And the worldview that we should have is Christians rather than what the world tries to put on you every day. And so it's to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. It's to be able to encourage you. It's able to give you some tools for your toolkit so that when you're out the next six days in the week, then you have no, you're better able and better equipped to be able to minister to people and most of all to keep yourself good and strong and beautiful like you already are. Okay? Praise God. Uh, we'll have... Uh, one more guest, uh, guest speaker in the next several months, and it'll be in two weeks. It'll be Dr. Chris Cody. A lot of you know him. He's been here before from uh, World Harvest Church in Paducah, Kentucky. How many of you know how to spell Paducah? One, two, three, four. Okay, five. I learned it, but it took me a while. <laughs> But he'll be with us. We're looking forward to that. That's also Palm Sunday. And then Easter Sunday after that, good opportunity to catch all the people in your neighborhood that would never come to church any other day of the year, but they'll come to, on Easter. Praise God. And for those of you that are taking notes, the Easter bunny will not be here, okay? Yeah, he had a, he had a car wreck a few years ago. And uh, <laughs> scramble eggs. <laughs> That was just for you, Cammie. <laughs> Would you stand up with me, please? If I forgot anything, Kelly, you're a lot better at this than I am. If I forgot anything, just sit back in your seat there. I'm not going to. Boy, he gets, he gets a microphone. He's going to be dangerous. He said, you know, Antonetta's already got all this thing going here. I just want to jump in the back. <laughs> Great word. Great work. Give her another round of applause. Praise God. Well, I just don't know about them women preachers, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy. This will get you saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and walking in Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. We will have people up here to pray for you. If you have any need in your life, do not leave here without it. The rest of you, you've been made a little more conformed into the image of Jesus Christ today. Be sure and let that grow in your life. We love you. See you next time.